Well, good morning, everyone. It's my delight and honor to be here with you today. I'm sorry for the circumstances. Your regular preacher who was supposed to be here this morning is ill, and we'll be praying for him, but I am honored to be asked to come and speak God's Word to you today. It's my privilege also to serve the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. We are a group of churches that start over here in Wascom, not far from you, and go all the way to El Paso and down at Brownsville up to the top of Texas in the Panhandle, 2,700 churches together on the Word of God. We believe the Bible to be God's Word without error, totally true and trustworthy. It is the inerrant and fallible Word of God. Because of that, we say certain things that we believe about the Bible in our Baptist faith and message statement as adopted in the year 2000. And because of our common belief, we're able to serve the Lord together. So we're biblically based as a group of churches and we're kingdom focused in that we do missions and evangelism as a priority, helping churches be revitalized and planting new churches here in Texas. And hundreds of churches are, are being encouraged and strengthened and brought back to life. And hundreds of churches have been planted across our state. And then, of course, we serve the church, you as a church, being served by the staff and other churches. So we are kingdom-focused, but we're also missionally driven through a common giving plan called the Cooperative Program. Southern Baptists have been using this giving plan for almost 100 years to fund missions and ministry in states and, nation, and the nation and the world. And here in Texas, we invest 45% of that cooperative program dollar here in this state and send on 55% to the Southern Baptist Convention, of which there are over 3,000 international missionaries that you support because you give through the cooperative program pushing out the darkness in places that are difficult and hard. And then, of course, here in North America, we are seeing church planting uh, just exponentially grow across our nation through our North American Mission Board. And then we have six Southern Baptist seminaries training about 20,000 ministers, preachers, and missionaries, and church staff and you have a part in that when you give through the cooperative program. So I want to thank you as a church for being a part of the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. What a delight it is to serve you in that capacity. Now, this morning is the first Sunday of a new year, and there's always anticipation. Sometimes it's not a positive anticipation, but my wife and I are excited because a week from tomorrow, we're going to welcome our fifth grandchild. And this is an exciting uh, moment for us. We have three children. Our daughters were 15 and almost 12 when our son was born, and so we raised him like a grandchild anyway. But uh, there, there's that disparity. So we have grandchildren that are teenagers, and we have this newborn coming because of the age difference in our children. So it's an exciting time to have another baby in our family. But I remember back in the day when our first one was born, there were no gender reveal parties in those days. I mean, you didn't know what was going to happen until it happened. You know what I mean? I heard a joke once about um, those days when guys would be pacing in the waiting room and the uh, uh, mother would be in the delivery room. 
there was a doctor that came out and said, hey, we're excited. The, the Jones family have twins. And this guy jumps up and he says, wow, that's wonderful. And I'm a baseball player and I play for the Minnesota Twins. Well, about that time, another doctor came out and said, we're happy to tell the Smith family that you have triplets. And that guy said, oh, wow, that's unbelievable. And uh, by the way, I, I work for the 3M company. And about that time, a guy got up and he started walking out the door. And the doctor said, where are you going? He said, I deliver seven ups and I'm just not <laughs> going to stick around to see what's going to happen. Well, sometimes the anticipation might be a whole lot worse than what it's really going to be. And we're looking at 2021, and some people are thinking it's going to be a panacea, and everything's going to go away that was bad, and we know better than that, don't we? But on the other hand, we have the hope that this will be a better year than what we experienced in this past year. So I want to invite you to the book of Matthew, to a sermon. I'm going to preach someone else's sermon. It's Jesus's sermon. And he preached it there on the beautiful northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus taught his disciples oftentimes in private settings. But on other occasions, in teaching his disciples, he would speak in a public forum. And that's what we find here. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And this is where Jesus was preaching and teaching to a huge multitude, and yet it was also very applicable and beneficial to his disciples. So in Matthew chapter 6, we'll begin in verse 19, and we'll go through the end of the chapter, listening to what Jesus had to say to his disciples. Because you see, not too long after his preaching this message, just a couple of years, they were been under severe persecution, they were under difficulties, and they faced the realities of life. And Jesus gave them principles for living. And what we need today is some principles for living in 2021. I think the best outlook is to look up. And what we find in this passage of Scripture is Jesus elucidating for us the wonderful principles of living in the kingdom. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is for you. And if you haven't come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is how you can experience the best life you could ever have here and then know that you have eternal life in the year, in the, in the life hereafter. So are you concerned about 2021? Are you uh, fearful? Are you anxious? Well, this passage of Scripture should be able to help you. Let's look at the principles of living in 2021. In verses 19 through 24, we have his priorities in order. Jesus gives us the priorities. He said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, 
or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus begins this principles of living with a call for his priorities to be in order. God wants us to understand that he is a lot more important than stuff. And Jesus illustrates this over and over with stories. We call these stories parables. Jesus used a real life uh, existence, but he also perhaps made up some of these stories to get across a point. And once he told about a man who was so wrapped up in success, all he wanted was success. And we know him as the rich young ruler. You can find that story about him in Luke chapter 18. And when Jesus was telling this story about this rich young ruler, he said, what happens is that you must be willing to give all of yourself to God or you will lose everything. And the Bible says that this rich young ruler walked away because he was very rich. Now, this was a real account that really happened in Jesus' life in an encounter with this young man. But he was so set on accumulating stuff that he missed out on the greatest experience of all, and that was coming to know God through Jesus Christ. Jesus told one of those parable stories as it's recorded for us in Luke chapter 15. We know it as the story of the prodigal son, but it's more about the loving father. But there's another character in that story, and that's the elder son. And the elder son, when the prodigal came back, the father welcomed him with open arms, and the, and the, and the elder son said, well, I've been here with you all along, and you didn't do anything for me. And the father said, well, everything I have has been yours all along. He failed to see what was his. He was so wrapped up in self. And sad to say, whether it's success or whether it's the fixation on self, our priorities get out of order. And Jesus said, my priority is to exalt and magnify the true and the living God. So we, in facing this new year and our outlook needing to be an uplook, is that we're going to keep our priorities in order. Paul Anka wrote this song, but Frank Sinatra recorded it first, and then Elvis made it popular, I'll Do It My Way. And if you've ever heard that song or you've ever seen those lyrics, it is so in self contained. It is a person who is essentially coming to the end of his life, and he's saying, I've done it my way. Well, I hope that we can end our life and say, we did it God's way. Because you see, I think a better song is trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Keeping our priorities in order, putting Jesus number one in our lives. But let's look at what Jesus was saying in verses 25 through 30. Here we have the provisions in view. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? 
Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about the clothes? Observe what the, the wildflowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? A principle of living is to keep his provisions in proper view. Because you see, we have a God who is able the psalmist wrote this question. It's recorded for us in Psalm 78, verse 19. Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? It was talking about the, the people of God, Israel, who had been delivered from Egypt. They came through the Red Sea in a miraculous way, and they were out there wandering in the wilderness because they failed to obey God and enter the promised land when God had given it to them. And so they were wandering in the wilderness, and the psalmist asked this question, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? And the answer is, of course, that's a rhetorical question, and the answer is, God is able and so whatever your need might be, God is able to make that provision. God is the one with an unlimited storehouse, an abundance, if you will. The Apostle Paul put it this way, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his glory and riches, his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so we have this abundant supply of God's provision for our lives. Now, God's not some cosmic vending machine that we just kind of put a prayer in and expect to get something out. The name it, claim it, prosperity gospel is a, a false gospel. It's not a gospel at all. But God does know our needs and he meets our needs. We mustn't forget that the vast majority of believers in this world today live in deprivation and persecution. And so we in America, American Christianity, we've been spoiled to a certain extent. And we have so many luxuries. Even the poorest of us that's listening to this message or are here in this auditorium, the poorest of us is richer than those believers in those countries around the world. And yet our God is still able to supply our needs. And those needs sometimes are very real to us. For example, the very first church I pastored was a church start. Nobody would call me, so I thought I'd start one. No, seriously, the church was planted uh, by Mother Church, sending it out. So just like your church would send out a group of people to start a new church, we were beneficiaries of a church wanting to start a new church. And as we went out, we were a young couple. This is almost 50 years ago. And so I was making $400 a month on missionary salary. And that wasn't enough to take care of my needs and my wife's needs and a new baby that was coming. And so with all of that, there was a lot of pride. And yet there was a knock at the door one day and there was a man whose family was on welfare and it was probably illegal for him to do this but he brought us a box of food to help us in our time of need. 
God made a provision through that poor man. We have a multi-million dollar budget with the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention trying to do ministry around the world. And in 2020, God used your church and churches like yours all across this state to be able to fuel the ministry for disaster relief when we were responding to the hurricanes that hit on our Gulf Coast and to be able to keep those church planters funded even when they couldn't meet in the schools where they were meeting. And, and, and we were able to help revitalize those churches and assist those churches that didn't have an internet. They didn't even know there was an internet and help them get on the internet and and learn how to be able to broadcast the message of the gospel from their pulpit. Yes, God provided the funds necessary for us to continue on. Our God is able to supply our needs. And wherever you are, whatever your need might be, God is able. That's what Jesus was saying. If he takes care of the, of the fowls of the air and the flowers of the field, he can surely take care of of us. But let's notice in the next couple of verses, in verses 30 and 31, that we must also have his, his providence in perspective. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, will we eat? What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Here's his providence in proper perspective. Because you see, our heavenly Father knows everything. He's omnipotent, and he is omniscient. So he's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing. And so he knows our needs. He knows the end from the beginning. And therefore, God can supply our needs. What is the greatest need we have? Well, it's not paying the house note. It's not meeting the car note. It's not even clothing the kids. What's our greatest need? Our greatest need is not material. Our greatest need is spiritual. And God in eternity past looked down the corridors of time and saw that we had a need. God knows and in that, he devised the plan of providing for us eternal life in his son. It's recorded for us in Revelation 13 and verse 8 where it says that he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So before there ever was time, God knew that there would be a need for you and me to be forgiven of our sins. God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he said, you can have anything you want except the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's one thing that you cannot partake of. You see, the problem is not the apple in the tree. It was the pear on the ground. And they chose to disobey God and do what they wanted to do instead of what God wanted to do. And that's what sin is, is when we do what we want to do instead of what God wants done. And because of Adam's sin, every person who's had a human father has his nature. As I mentioned, we have those three children, and now we have five grandchildren as of a week from tomorrow. And, you know, that's a scheduled delivery. That's the reason I know they've got her scheduled for that um, 
section to have that baby. It's not FedEx that's going to deliver. (laughs) And with our children, not so much with our grandchildren, but with our children, I noticed how it was easy for them to sin. I kind of miss it a little bit on the grandkids, but when our kids was growing, were growing up, we didn't have to teach them how to do bad things. We had to teach them how to do good things. And you'll hear people say, oh, he's basically good, or she's basically good. No, they're not. We're all basically bad because we have Adam's nature. And we, we have a proclivity, a, a propensity to do what we want to do instead of what God wants done. And because of that, we're born with a nature to sin. And as soon as we come to a place of mental capability and moral responsibility toward God, we choose to sin. So we're sinners two ways. We're sinners by birth and nature, and we're sinners by choice. And when we choose to sin and say no to God and I want my way instead of your way, then that makes us accountable to God. And because of that, God is holy. And God says sin has to be paid for. And if I paid for my sin, I wouldn't go to heaven. I'd go away from God. We call it hell. It's separation from God forever in a lake of fire. And it's it's a real place. And that's what I deserve. Because as the hymn writer put it, I am prone to wander Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, even as a believer. It's amazing to me that God saved me, but it's even a greater amazement to me that God keeps me saved because I know better now. And so because we're sinners by nature and sinners by choice, and we stand before a holy God, if we got what we deserve, we wouldn't go to heaven, we'd go to hell. But Jesus came and paid the sin debt for us. He was born of the Virgin Mary so that he didn't have Adam's nature. He had his heavenly father's nature, all God, but all man. And in his humanity, he lived a perfect sinless life by the power of the Spirit. And then he chose to die on the cross, shedding his blood to pay for our sins. And the third day, he resurrected from the dead, never to die again. He ascended into heaven. And he's there at the right hand of the Father right now, and he offers forgiveness to anyone who will come and say, Jesus, I give my life to you. It's what the Bible calls repentance. And I trust you and what you did for me on the cross to forgive me of my sins. And he says he will forgive you and give you eternal life and help you in this life. So over 50 years ago now, as a teenager, In high school, in my parents' home by myself, in my bedroom, I cried out to the Lord and he saved me. And he keeps me saved because I couldn't keep myself saved. Someone said that if you could lose your salvation, you would. And I'm so glad that he knows what we need. That's what it says in verse 32. But look at verse 34. We must keep his prohibitions in focus. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
Six times in this passage that we've just read, six times Jesus says, don't worry. Now, if Jesus says, don't worry, we need to take that to heart. I googled this past week predictions for 2020 that did not come to pass. If you go on the internet, you can find all kinds of crazy ideas that these people have and psychics that want to tell you about the future. And people will wring their hands and worry about what's going to happen in 2021. What's going to happen to our nation? What's going to happen to my health? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my job? Worry, worry, worry. And Jesus says, don't worry. Now, how can we keep from worrying? Well, if we have his prohibitions in focus, we'll... We, we have the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the God who stepped out on nothing, spoke into nothing, and caused the worlds to come into existence living inside of you. Person of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, over and over, it speaks about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. As many as have His Spirit are the children of God. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are His children. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. That's one of the reasons why we don't have to worry. God's with us. We have his power and his strength available to us. Jesus is coming. This could be the year Jesus comes. There is not one prophecy in this Bible that has to be fulfilled to keep Jesus from returning. Jesus could come this very moment. I'm looking for Jesus to come. I prayed this morning, come, Lord Jesus. It's the last prayer in the Bible. It ought to be one of the first prayers we as believers pray. That ought to excite us about 2021. Jesus could come. Don't worry. And most importantly, we have victory in Jesus. Thanks be unto God for the victory that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, the promises of God is that we have the victory in Jesus. Nothing can overcome us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, Romans 8 tells us. Over and over we have these wonderful promises, so don't worry. That's principles for living in 2021. But let's look at one other verse of Scripture, and that's verse 33. Because you see... If we're going to have living principles for 2021, it must be the fact that his person is preeminent. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. If we're seeking the kingdom, we'll find the king. And that means every day we come to Jesus Submitting ourselves to him. Now, you might have Jesus present in your life. You might even have Jesus prominent in your life. But unless Jesus is preeminent in your life, you're failing to experience the best God has for you. Oh, listen, I wander around and stumble around as a believer, I mess up. I get so disgusted with myself. I'm telling you, 
But when Jesus is preeminent, that's when I am on that mountaintop. That's when I'm walking with God. That's when I'm experiencing the best God has for me. The old preacher, Vance Havner, I believe, made famous the phrase, Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. In Acts chapter 10, verse 46, the Bible says he is Lord of all. And so we must have his person preeminent in our lives. And that means for those of us who are believers this morning, we need to say 2021 is going to be different because I'm going to give my life to Jesus every day, every morning. I'm going to commit my life to Jesus. I'm going to submit to his lordship. I'm going to die to self to live for him. And if we do that, we'll have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we can overcome whatever may come in our lives. And if you've never received Jesus, seek the kingdom and you'll find the king. And Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And you can receive him by repentance and faith. Give him your life and trust him with your soul. Oh, listen, dear friends, we don't know what 2021 has for us. It may be worse than 2020 as far as our observation of it but it can be the greatest year in your life if you'll trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, save me. I want to live for you. Or as a believer, we can say, Jesus, I want you to take control of my life and help me to live each and every day submitted to you that I might be in the center of your will to bring glory to your name. This terrible, dreaded disease that has plagued our world took one of our consultants from our convention, a great man of God named Rod Masteller. Rod had pastored two megachurches. He had been at Summer Grove Baptist Church in Shreveport and at a church in Oklahoma. And in both of those states, he was president of state conventions. He retired here to Texas, and we asked him to be a consultant to help our churches to be more like Jesus. He contracted this terrible disease. And he and I were texting back and forth, and he would do a voice text. And I still have those voice texts on my phone. And I value the fact that he said that he was looking forward to seeing Jesus. And about two days before he went to heaven, he expressed to me his love for his Lord Jesus. Dear friends, one day we're going to step out of this life and into the next life. The most important thing is that you've settled eternity. Do it today. Let's bow our heads for prayer. So our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. In a few moments, we're going to have a, a song of response. And yet, right where you are, you can give your life to Jesus Christ. Now, if you're viewing online, you can go to moberly.org, and there will be a way for you to communicate your desire to have someone share with you how you can know 
for sure that you have eternal life, that Jesus lives in your life. Or maybe you need to deepen your walk as a believer. Here in the auditorium, if you've never given your life to Jesus, you can do it today. And it's simple. All you have to do is call upon him. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I don't deserve heaven, but you died for me, and now you're my living Lord. I invite you into my life. It's not a prayer we pray. It's Jesus who saves us. So if you're ready and willing right where you are, you can call upon the Lord. Would you pray right now? Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Help me live for you. Did you pray that prayer or a prayer like that? Do you, did you invite Jesus into your life? As, as our heads are bowed, if you just prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to come into your heart and life today, would you just slip your hand up just for a moment that I can pray for you and pray that God will strengthen you and enable you to live for him in 2021? I prayed that prayer, preacher, and I meant it with all my heart. I prayed that prayer. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. God bless you. Just lift your hand up there for a moment. I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my life. Thank you. Now there will be ministers in the hospitality room that can meet with you. And I encourage you that when you leave, take the time to go by that hospitality room and tell them, I asked Jesus to come into my life. What do I need to do now to serve him? And they'll help you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these who are here and those who are watching online, and I pray your blessings for this next year as we seek to follow you and honor you, and we all give glory to Jesus, and in his name I pray, amen.